help me read this, uh, these couple of verses from Proverbs chapter 11. The world of the generous, the world of the stingy, a generous man. You ever wonder if you're turning into a Grinch? Ever wonder if your heart is two sizes too small? Or how would you like to grow your heart three times larger? Well, early this fall, I was feeling a bit like my heart was two sizes too small. Uh, feeling a bit Grinchy. And uh, sometimes we don't even realize what are some of the small things we do that keep our hearts large, generous. And because we don't know what those little small things are, it's easy for us to wander off from those things. And all of a sudden we realize our heart has grown small. So there is a verse that I share with our gel leaders and our staff in training. And it's a verse that says... The verse that Sue shared in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart for his wellspring of life. And I tell everyone, you know, if, if you get burned out, if you get overcommitted, stressed, if you are feeling used or whatever, who's, whose fault is it, really? It's your own. You make your own, own choices about your schedule. You make your own cho- choices about what you say yes to. Uh, what you volunteer for, what you choose to work for. So you make choices with your own heart, and no one is twisting your arm. See, God made us responsible for our own hearts, and you can't blame others or blame the church. And those words are for someone like me too. So that's why we have things like sabbaticals, for church staff so that they don't turn into Grinches. And so this past November is what I set out to do, to try and grow my heart three times larger. And so I want to share with you a few things that I found uh, that if you do them, that in an indirect way, they aid a heart in growing larger. But I think as you listen... You'll hear how me and my efforts are not really the center of this, but Jesus and his gospel is really the source. So, first thing is first, though. I need to let you know that I came into this world with a heart two sizes too small. That's the way I entered this world. I wasn't corrupted or spoiled by the world. I was already corrupt from the beginning. I mean, as a baby, as soon as I found out that all you had to do was cry to get what you want, I started working it. You know? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Help me out. I'm sleepy. I'm hungry. I'm wet. Change me. (laughs) I want what I want. 
I am the center of the universe. And I found that people would just come to me and serve me. I was my own royal highness. And then there was a moment when a grown person said to me, those, that one word made up of two letters, no. And I wrinkled up my face and I got mad and I cried and it didn't do any good. And uh, sometimes adults around me, they would take away things that might not be good for me. And out of my ignorance, I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to stick that fork into the electrical outlet. Out of my ignorance as a child, I wanted to drink that lovely green substance under the kitchen sink, that dishwashing soap. It looked so good. You know, and as I grew older, became a boy and a young man, those ignorant things that I, I wanted turned into more sophisticated ignorant things. And I continued to be the center of my world. That was until there was a day when Christ interrupted my life. And my world had gotten very, very small with me at the center of it. And it was a very uh, a moment in my life where I had a collision of three different worlds. But my life was interrupted. And Jesus told me that my world could be a whole lot bigger if he was at the center of it instead of me. And so I said yes. And I told him that I wanted to live differently. I wanted to have a larger world. I wanted to have the forgiveness for the way I had lived. And Jesus also knew how to remove my corrupted heart and give me a new one. In fact, that's a big part of what the gospel is about. That we can't do for ourselves what we want to do or what we wish to do or what we ought to be. And so Christ came and did it for us. So what I'm saying is, is that there was a certain point in my life where Jesus gave me what I couldn't generate on my own. He gave me a new heart. And that is the cure. That's the remedy. That's the transplant. That's the spirituality that needs to take place if you ever hope to escape becoming a Grinch. Now, I know some of you are like, this is silly. We're talking about being a Grinch in church. I haven't tried to steal Christmas from anyone. I don't know if I could take this seriously. Well, let me give you an example of a Grinch in God's Word. It's in the Old Testament. And the New Testament says that everything written in the Old was written for us. It was written for us as a warning. So I want you to listen to this story. That's a warning. My wife is going to come help tell this part of the story. Uh, the story is about a man named Nabal, and his name actually means fool. And uh, his wife, Abigail, and, and he kind of lived out in the outskirts and, uh, of the Israel area. And this story is told when David was not yet king but had been anointed king, and King Saul was trying to kill him so that he would never be able to um, assume the throne. So David was out running and running for his life, trying to survive um, the attacks of Saul. And uh, the way that, um, well, what ended up happening while he was out there, 
trying to just survive was people inside of the kingdom currently under the reign of Saul who were in debt or discontent or, or just down and out. Many of them left the kingdom and went and wanted to live with David. And so crazy chain of events start to take place and David's out there trying to save his life and he ends up having to protect about 400 other people as well. So how do you survive in the wilderness? And what happens is David and his men and all these people ended up doing a trade or a barter. They would defend these people on the outskirts, their flocks and, and their gardening and all of that in exchange for food. And so David and his men were guarding Nabal's flocks and protecting them from bandits that would come in and want to take them or from animals that would come in and harm them. And so David sent a request in for some food and Nabal sent the response back and said, who's this David? I've never heard of him and didn't send any food. Well, it enraged David and he determined that he was going to mount up and they were going to ride into Nabal, Nabal's land and he was going to kill him for not feeding them or giving them um, kindness in exchange for what they had been protecting them. Well, Abigail hears that this is taking place and she quickly tells her servants to prepare lots of food, gets it all mounted up on the donkeys and sends them rapidly out to encounter David before he can come in and meet her husband. And uh, uh, Abigail herself follows along behind. And just before the servants arrive before David, he had, David spoke out loud and said that he was, would not rest until he had killed everyone in Nabal's, uh, all the men in Nabal's house for the dis dishonesty and, and cruelty that he had served his men. And he had just spoken those words and Abigail arrives and she quickly dismounts and lays herself in front of David and just says, let me take full responsibility. I didn't see your men come yesterday and make this request. And I, I, it's my, if my fault, pay no attention to my husband. His, his name is fool and he is a fool. And he, she says, don't put this blood on your hands and make a foolish mistake yourself. Please accept this food. And she gives him all the food. The men receive it. And David feels like kind of awakened, like back into his senses, like he had really let his anger get the best of him. And he feels rescued as well and is in debt to Abigail. And like, thank you. I was about to make a terrible mistake and an error. And she really moved in wisdom. So the, the, the situation is remedied, and Abigail goes back, and Nabal still hadn't heard any, that any of this had taken place. And when she goes back and shares with Nabal what she had done, what David was intending to do, the scriptures say that when he heard the news that David was coming to kill him, that his heart froze, it turned to stone, and he became like a man just like paralyzed. And uh, is a picture of just this stingy, greedy heart that literally ended up killing him when it was all said and done. So, the Bible actually says that the Lord struck him down. And so this whole stingy, heart of stone kind of thing, Lord takes it pretty seriously. If that was written for us as a warning, what are we supposed to do? If we are in a predicament where we find that we're starting to turn into a Grinch. Our heart's too cold, stone-like. Well, the good news is that for those who turn away from that and turn to Christ, 
He knows how to exchange a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. And that's very good news for us here today. So, I know for you and I today, I mean, we haven't tried to take away Christmas from children. Uh, We haven't, uh, you know, repaid uh, evil for good that someone has done to us. But there might be some other signs that will let you know that you're letting the new heart Christ gave you become a little smaller. And there's some size, signs that can warn you that your heart is starting to become Grinch size. And so maybe it kind of looks like this. Maybe you've simply been storing up treasure here on earth. And you just haven't realized that in doing that, that it's just storage for composting when you do that. That's what storing up treasure on earth does. It turns to rust, to dust. Maybe you stop seeing the best in people around you. And you can only identify the worst in people now. Maybe after you meet with a group or do an activity, you're often saying, well, I didn't get anything out of that. You know, that kind of statement reveals idolatry. I mean, using people, using things, using religion for just what you can get out of them. Isn't that what that statement says? Maybe it's not money, but it's time and worth that you're hoarding. There are moments even when pastors are tempted to think, you know, with my skills, I could be doing something else that makes a whole lot more money and be appreciated for it. You know, have you found yourselves grinchously saying, well, I'll show them. I'll quit and take my toys home with me. Is discontent turning into envy? Maybe you're just constantly tapping your foot, thinking about how the person in front of you is wasting your time. Maybe that little joyful girl and her new rain rain boots splashing in puddles, you just yelled at her, told her to stop splashing around. You know, maybe it's you just forgotten to appreciate the little moments of joy. And you're starting to be a bit cynical. And the one thing to remember about cynical is just remember it, it rhymes with pinnacle. And you got to be way up high in your pride to be able to look down on others with cynicism. And that's what cynicism is. It's a looking down. Maybe you're guarding every minute, rationing every moment, resenting every interruption. Your management of time has turned into rigidity. You hold it so tight, you crush it. You thought you were protecting it, but instead you destroyed it. Really, all these things are dealing with a generosity problem. The world of of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So, let's say that you're like me, 
and you're discovering that maybe in one sense that uh, you've already had a transplant from Jesus, but you're starting to sense some Grinchish, Grinchish qualities creeping into your life, shrinking your heart, shrinking your world. What can you do to enlarge your heart? Well, let me share a few things from the Word that are not formulas or magic potions. There are no instantaneous change, but simply things that I've begun to practice and I believe are working a slow transformation in me, in my own heart. Number one, here's the first thing. You've got to exchange jealousy, envy, and discontent for thankfulness. You need to count your blessings, literally. Instead of counting your sheep at night before you go to sleep, you need to count your blessings. You need to write them down. You need to look at them and go, wow, look at all these things that God has blessed me with. I, I am thankful. You know, you might examine if your lack of thankfulness is because you're doing things without Jesus. You know, going fishing without Jesus is a real bummer. You know, Jesus' disciples found out about that, going fishing all night not bringing in anything. And then Jesus says, hey, let's go out and fish. They're kind of like, we don't want to do that. You go out fishing with Jesus, and all of a sudden, fishing is a lot of fun. And you go, this is why I love fishing. This is great. Well, just replace that word fishing with work, school, your homemaking, your chores, and just ask, you know, have I been doing those things without Jesus? You know, if you do work, if you do school, if you do homemaking, if you do chores with Jesus, it's a whole lot more fun. It's a lot more productive. So practice in your prayers by starting with Thanksgiving. Find somebody you're thankful for and tell them. Without thankfulness, you can be set into a long downward spiral that can lead you into a very dark thinking that's described in Romans chapter 1. Second thing, you can boil down this very long if-then sentence from Isaiah about the rest of God. And basically it says this. This is number two. If you don't go your own way, then you will find your joy. If you don't go your own way, then you will find your joy. Can you practice one day a week where you rest? Can you stop doing your own thing? You know, this isn't anything rigid. It's just that you sit with Jesus until you hear from him of what he wants you to do or not do. It's just taking one day to let go of the things that you ought to do. And instead, embracing the things that make you alive. It's counterintuitive to us. But our joy is lost from going our own way all the time. Third thing. Third thing you can practice. Again, it's not a 
magic potion. Sometimes the shrinking of our heart and our world getting small from us trying is from us trying to control everything. Controlling time, controlling circumstances, people, outcomes. You know, there are things that are just too big for us to manage. We can't do it. Too big for us to move on our own. And instead of us always scrambling to try to regain control of situations that are out of control, you need to practice surrender and release. It's another counterintuitive thing, but if you have trouble with surrender, try practicing imitating God. Try to imitate how Jesus interacted with people with his extravagant love. And what you'll find is that you can't do it. You see, when you imitate God, you stop trying to be God. Did you get that? When you imitate God, you stop trying to be God. You remember that you just weren't saved by grace once upon a time, but that you must also live every day by grace. Surrender. Release. Relinquish. Practice imitating God. And you'll stop trying to control. Fourth thing. If your heart of flesh is growing two sizes too small, go back to where you started from. Give yourself first to the Lord and then to others. This is described in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you give yourself to the Lord first, you'll find the generosity of your heart growing. You see, true generosity is always moves in that sequence. Give your breath, give your health, give your sickness, give your thought, give your intents, give your time, give all of who you are to him first. Acknowledge that every moment you receive is God's sheer gift and resolve to never turn it into a, a, a possession. Give your plans and invite God to direct your paths, being open to holy interruptions. And don't resist his purposes. Give yourself first to God and then do the harder thing of giving yourself to others. Offer your time, your attention, your affection, the gift of your curiosity, your inquisitiveness. So those are the four things. And it brings us right back to the beginning where we started. These are things that we can practice, but really God is the one, the only one, who can renew a heart and change it and make it grow three times larger. Jesus gives what we can't generate on our own. There are moments when I practice these things from God's Word, and I don't feel any different. But I know and I trust that God can renew a heart in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And I know and trust that His Word is true, and if I practice what His Word says, that one day I will find my heart enlarged, and along with it, my whole world will get bigger. Nate and the band, you guys can come up here. The changing of hearts is in God's hands. The world will tell you that 
there are bad people and there are good people. Right people and wrong people. But the gospel says that we are all wrong. But we're all loved. We're all more wicked than we thought, but more loved than we hoped. The cross proves that to us. Jesus died for a reason. To save us from ourselves. Our own sinful hearts that are two sizes too small. And if we come to him and confess and admit that he is right. And that we're wrong. Then he can give us a new heart. His heart. And make our world a whole lot bigger. It's the idea that Jesus talked about of being born again. Starting new. Starting fresh. He can do that because he's the son of God. And he is a very generous and extravagant God. So right now, would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And this is a time where... During this next song, we can just respond in in prayer. We can talk to him alone by ourselves, or if you'd like to pray with myself or one of our leaders here, jail leaders, you can come up here to the front. We'll be glad to pray with you. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, I pray, Lord, that we'll be people that desire to have large and generous hearts. And, Lord, that we would know that you're the source You're the one who can make our hearts that way. And Lord, that you remind us of those small things that we can practice that keep us abiding with you and keep our heart large. Pray this in Jesus' name.